Welcome to Speak Up with Rita Burke and Elton Brown. It is with great joy that I introduce a woman that I've known for quite a long time, Yvonne Osundu. Now, Yvonne is a parent of two lovely darlings, she said, 30 and 26. She works as a massage therapist and a Zen Shatsu practitioner. She also volunteers with two organizations, the Ryerson Midwifery Education Program. She's on the board of directors for her housing co-op. Yvonne tells me that she's always studying. Privately, she's either meditating or doing yoga for both seem to be useful for better overall functioning. Her latest fascination is making products from the bounty of her friend's garden. She's been making body butter, massage oil, and deodorants. I want to share a quote that Yvonne gave to us. It says, I must create a system or be enslaved by another man's system. And wow. I'm going to ask Yvonne to talk a little bit about that quotation and what it really means for you. Yeah, that's a, that quote really means a lot to me because we are not born with, we're not born with all the knowledge that we need to become who we are. And so we're either going to be, be absorbing what, our parents going to pass on to us or we're we going to be adapting for the culture that we live in either one of those doesn't necessarily this is doesn't necessarily mean they're good for us or right for us but that's what we have and I so I think eventually as adults we try to create the system that really and truly work for us so that we're not duplicating or repeating or just following the system that's been either departed to us or imposed on us. So it, for me, it's a way of always checking in to see, does this really work for me? And if it doesn't, how can it? And if it can't, what else can I create to make my life functional? Sounds very exciting. I like that it's deep. It's worth thinking about. Really appreciate that. What do you find rewarding about your profession, about what you do? I feel very fortunate to have this whole notion of creating a, a, um, a system or be enslaved by another. I'm so fortunate that I work for myself. It's my thing. I can work 10 days in a row or work five days in a row or work two days it's it's my own it's my own creation when I get up in the morning I don't have to run to work for a, in a job that is something I'm doing to get by I'm doing what I love so it doesn't actually feel like work I know that's a cliche but it actually feels like I'm fulfilling more of a destiny than an obligation to work and make a paycheck and because I love it, I bring love to it. So it really feels like something of my personhood is unfolding rather than I'm laboring. 
<laughs> How many individuals do you uh, see in, in, in a week? How large is your uh, client base? I try not to do more than 20 people in, or I try not to see more than 20 people in a week. It feels, if I do all the things I need to do in order to be in this profession, taking care of my body, making sure I'm resting, making sure I'm eating my foods, making sure that I'm in the right company, making sure I have lots of alone time to regenerate my mind. If I do those things, 20 people is really, really, I can service 20 people very well. I try not to go beyond that because it, then it's a bit too much. And my client base, it's extensive. I'm very happy and fortunate to say it's extensive. Yeah. Wow. I, I have to go back to your, your quote. I just find it to be remarkable. And I know that Mr. Blake was a, a poet. He was a painter. He was a printmaker. He was all of these things. Yeah. And went out, just, just went for it. No holes barred. And I, I, I wonder how do you take all of that and apply it to your client base? That's a good question. The notion of not being enslaved by another man's. That's, excuse me. That's so profound in that personally not being enslaved, but also not enslaving others. So with my client base, I give people a lot of space to be who they are. I'm not imposing any idea of what it feels to be in their body. I allow them to bring that information to me. And I don't ever assume that when I saw them last week, how they were feeling then is how they're going to feel this week. So every opportunity that we meet is, it's a fresh and new day. Keep, keeping some things in mind, of course, but not making it, not being so stuck in what was that I can't see what is right now. Because you're not the same person you were yesterday. Even if you came, even if someone comes in with pain in their back and they are still having pain today it's not the same pain and how they are dealing with it and feeling about it isn't the same so I can't assume that oh because they had back pain last week and we did this and this to help it and it's still there doesn't mean that we're going to do the exact same thing for a couple of reasons something would have changed over the last time we have seen each other and that have to be taken into consideration in order for them to express to me what it's what it feels like to be in there you said something that was quite interesting just a few seconds ago how the pain that one had one day is different yeah. than yeah. the other day and yeah. so that means to me that there is an array of tools that have to be used in order to harness this pain. So outside of the physical accoutrement that you can use, are there any spiritual tools that you use to enforce your positive uh, actions to your 
client base? Wow. Oh my gosh. That's such an interesting question. And I'll tell you why. Massage therapy, well, massage therapy as it's practiced here in the, in, in the West is very Western medicine, very science, quote unquote, science-based, heading more towards evidence-based. Perfectly fine. In my toolbox, grateful to have learned a little bit of Eastern medicine, some Chinese medicine, Japanese Ayurvedic medicine. And their belief of what ails us is not just what happened to us to cause us pain, such as I fell or I picked up something that was too heavy for me, so I strained my back. There's a space in the spectrum of health across different cultural peoples that pain can be caused by something more than that. As an example, from uh, what they call spiritual, spiritual illness of emotion, spirit, you know, such as, say, anger or rage or, or sadness you know, or depression. And so they made, they made a space for addressing those kinds of pains. Now, the knowledge and expertise that one would develop to get there is quite extensive. It's more than going to a two-year you know, degree-granting institution. It comes from having some degree of spiritual practice to have an understanding of what these different emotions are that can cause someone physical discomfort. And so to understand those and then to be able to apply them is part of what I think is in the, it, it's something I think is possible for a body worker. It's not something that I can say that I am an expert on at the moment, but it's certainly something that I keep in mind when I put my hands in somebody's body or I ask them questions about their, their pain. Now, I have to qualify that by saying, that's not scientific. You can't really test that, but some of these, some of these practices were not, were taking place long before the idea of a scientific method was created. So I don't know that they would stand up to the test of science, but I think science is doing its best to try to understand them. Sounds so profound, Yvonne. Thank you so very much. It sounds to me as if you approach your practice, seeing the people who come to you, your clients, as holistic beings, and that is so profound. Yeah. In my introduction, we've known each other for a while. Yes. As also, as I mentioned to you, you know that I'm a Toastmaster and Elton yeah. is a Toastmaster. I believe that I've invited you to some meetings. Yeah. Tell me about your view your understanding about this whole thing called Toastmasters. Right. So you have indeed invited me um, a few times and I am glad that I haven't taken you up on it yet because I recognize that Toastmasters is not an easy thing. It's a very useful thing, but it's not an easy thing. And the reason why I said that is because I realized that oh my goodness, talking publicly is very intimidating to me. I know that Toastmasters is available for young people. And if I was a young person, I would do Toastmasters because 
it's created for somebody young. But if you walk into Toastmasters as an adult, there's going to be an expectation that you can stand on your feet and open your mouth and talk to the public. And I would, to me, that's one of the most scariest thing possible. So in preparation to come to your Toastmasters, I'm taking a course that is for people who have tremendous fear of speaking in public. And he actually acknowledged my fear that, yeah, Toastmasters is what you do after you do that course. You don't want to start off with Toastmasters because it's a bit intimidating. You have to be willing to be okay with wetting your pants when you're put on, on in front of a microphone to speak at Toastmasters. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not there. <laughs> I must say that I really admire your honesty and how candid you are about this. As a matter of fact, I believe this is this will be an off-the-record discussion about Toastmasters and coming prepared to speak. You've alluded to this in many of your responses, but there's a question that I need to ask you, and let's keep it as succinct as we possibly can. Yeah. What do you do when you are not working? Um, oh, my gosh. Um, cleaning up my place. I'm finding meditation and yoga really useful right now. The other thing that I'm finding very useful right now, would you believe, is listening or reading slave narrative. I don't know why now. It feels like a religion to me right now to hear the experiences of the people that I'm from um, in the past. It's just like a bomb to me right now as difficult and difficult as it is to listen to. So who are your favorite authors? Right now, I'm listening to Booker T. Uh, Washington. There is something about his honesty that I find so refreshing from a 1921 point of view. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's so... Yeah, Booker T. Washington. That's what I'm going for right now. Uh, you know, Maya Angelou was, was my favorite at one time, for sure. Mm -hmm. But right now, I'm just really enjoying it. He definitely comes from a different perspective, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And he is very direct. But I, you know I, what? My next author that I have to just welcome him back in my life is James Baldwin. I feel like he's very underrated. I, 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 I agree with you. And I, I can see why in so many ways his work is I'll say pressed because mm. of his, the way that he frames things mm. the pictures that he creates as you're reading his information his data mm. his stories it, they are absolutely a marvelous and you do need to think about them after you've read them mm. because you can take them in so so many different ways which I think to me makes them refreshing. Mm. I wanted to, wanted to ask you, this is the time of year when individuals eat. We eat a lot. We just, we just do. And so I want to know what is your favorite dish this time of year? It doesn't have to be related to any holiday, but just because of the fact that we're entering winter, what is your favorite dish? So this time of year, Rita introduced me to somebody years ago, shortly after I met her, 
And he, speaking about bomb for the spirit, he was a bomb for my spirit. And in fact, I spent some time with him when I was pregnant out in his farm. He raised chickens and his chickens are the most superior, if you eat, if you eat meat, that is the most superior tasting thing I've ever experienced. And so this time of year is the time that I would take one of his chickens and make my very favorite Milton chicken with root vegetables from the harvest in the oven. It's easy, it's brilliant, and it's idiot proof. Now I'm salivating <laughs> from, just from hearing that. <laughs> I'm going, uh, I want to thank you uh, so much for having this conversation with Rita and me. It really means a lot to the both of us. We find your conversation to be uh, slightly different than the other topics that we've had conversations with other individuals that we have interviewed. So your podcast, I think our listeners will find uh, refreshing. <laughs> so I want to thank you and Rita as well. We want to thank you for your time and you imparting some of your thoughts. And by the way, I think that you are a excellent speaker and I don't see you having to wait until you finish taking this class in order to visit. Well, from your mouth to God's ear. And I think, Rita, I have it in authority now that I can come to Ebony Toastmasters. <laughs> yeah, you're more than welcome. We would welcome you with open arms. It certainly would be a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Speak Up. For more information about our guest, Yvonne Osandu, and her professional services, please send your inquiries to the attention of Yvonne Osandu to info at speakuppodcast.ca. Rita and her husband, Sam Burke, have written an eloquent children's novel titled I Like Being Me. I Like Being Me will continue to build your child or someone you know confidence. If you have questions about the book or would like to request a copy, please send your request to info at speakuppodcast.ca. To listen to more of our podcasts wherever you are, you can connect to our podcasts from your favorite podcast platform and search for Speak Up. Our web address is www.speakuppodcast.ca. Our logo has the woman with her hand pointing up, mouth open, speaking up. Thank you.